Football is back, and so are we for another episode. We're breaking down all the action from Sunday's games, as well as having a little fun with some old and potentially some new traditions. I am joined by someone who is quite familiar with Potty Train Me and has already made a brief appearance on a previous episode. He was so awesome behind the mic that I had no choice but to bring him back. And rumor has it that he knows a thing or two about a good night's sleep. He is the best sports fan that I know. He is. Robbie Silver. Welcome back, my dude. Well, Greg, thanks for having me back on. I'm a huge fan of Potty Train Me, and I'm psyched for this episode. Good. Potty Train Me is a huge fan of you, so it's a perfect match. Um, So obviously we have a lot to get into. But before we talk about all the action from our first NFL Sunday, I believe we have some basketball to discuss because that's still going on. Yeah, let's get into it. So Eastern Conference Finals are set. Heat versus Celtics. The Heat upset the Milwaukee Bucks in five games. It was a pretty big deal. And that series between the Celtics and Raptors, Celtics looked to be in the driver's seat, but the Raptors came thundering back all the way to a game seven and fell just short. Down go the champs, but we got quite an exciting Eastern Conference Finals. Who's winning the East? Well, I think it's going to be a really interesting series. And actually, before I predict the winner of this, I'd just like to mention that every single road team won in the Celtics-Raptors series. So I'm a little bit disappointed in the fans of each team. I feel like the family section could have been a little louder in helping the home team win out. But um, I got to say, also respect every team in that series for coming to play on the road in that hostile environment. And I think the Heat Celtics is going to be a very interesting series. I think each of these teams have proved that they're ready for the moment and they're each very well coached by Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra. I see this series going seven to very good teams. I think it's going to come down to a minor detail. Um, I think that if Daniel Tice gets another tattoo then the Celtics will edge the Heat out. But if not, I like Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat to win. Wow, good observation. So this is all riding on, just to make sure that I heard this right, this is riding on whether Daniel Tice gets another tattoo. Yes. Do you think he even has space for it? I mean, his face looks pretty clean to me. (laughs) Okay, well, you heard it. Daniel Tice, get that tattoo, and Boston will make that appearance into the NBA Finals. I like the Heat. Um, They're the underdog, I think, by everyone's account. They're the underdog. They just have superior defense, and it's been cool to see how they lock in with that team chemistry and really sound leadership. I definitely see the series being a battle, though. The Celtics are also very well coached, and with Brown and Tatum and Kemba, that's a lot of young talent right there that – could easily propel them into the finals. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait for tomorrow's game one. Yeah, I guess so. Moving on to the West, uh, the Lakers easily handled the Rockets after dropping game one. And if there was one player in the league to start yelling at a crowd that was literally made up of a family section and only family members, who would that player be? Probably Russell Westbrook. Oh, that's so funny that you say that because Russell Westbrook is Mr. Trash Talk, even if he's losing by 10 points with 
under three minutes to go. It's kind of blows my mind. I respect how competitive he is, but also watching the Houston Rockets kind of makes me depressed. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was hilarious in Game 5 of Rockets-Lakers. Lakers are up big in the third or fourth quarter, and you see Russell Westbrook kind of on the sideline talking to presumably a fan. And at first I was like, okay, is he talking to a virtual fan? But then it later came out that he got into a bit of an altercation with Rajon Rondo's brother. Oh, head coach Rajon Rondo. Yes. Uh, that's another dissing Kendrick Perkins reference, uh, if it might have gone over your head, no pun intended. But yeah, uh, Westbrook got into a little bit of a thing with Rondo's brother, who was then asked to leave. But I legitimately thought he was yelling at a screen because maybe some virtual fan was flipping him off or something. Yeah, I mean, that would have been next level, but it wasn't that bad. It wouldn't have been next level for Westbrook, though. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. So going on to the other series, this has turned into quite the crazy one. And yes, we're Warriors fans. And full disclosure, we are 100% bandwagoning this team. But our bubble team, the Denver Nuggets, holy shit. I mean, the Nuggets, they were down 3-1 in the series against the Jazz, obviously. They were the three seed, the Jazz were the six. And they, I remember thinking after game four, I'm like, okay, the Jazz are going to probably, you know, finish this one off in five. But you texted me saying, I do not want to count the Nuggets out yet. And turns out you were right. And now they find themselves in a similar predicament against the heavily favored Los Angeles Clippers with defending finals MVP Kawhi Leonard. Oh, and, fun guy. Yeah, a very fun guy. And yeah, so they're down big in game five and game six, but... They find a way to claw their way back in each of those games and force a game seven. Yeah, you said they were down. They were down 16 in both of those games at one point, and they came all the way back. And you got to love Jokic for, in the interview after that game, they asked how they keep coming back, and he just goes, I don't know. So who knows, but the Nuggets are quite the special group. They're also super fun to watch. Um, we both know that I have developed a sincere obsession with Jamal Murray, a.k.a. Freedom Murray, because it says freedom on the back of his jersey. And I don't know, man. That guy is a rising star, and he rises to the occasion in big moments, uh, not to mention Jokic looking like, to quote the words of somebody else, a panicked walrus, but then he throws something up, and it just turns into something beautiful. I'm never going to understand it, but I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I gotta say, looking at Jokic run down the floor, he looks like maybe the least athletic guy in the league, but I don't know, he gets it done, he's a great player. And the Clippers, it's gonna be tough beating them three times in a row, given how deep they are. I mean, we're both extremely annoyed by them, but we can't deny that they're really good and deep and versatile, all the things that the analysts have been saying all year, but they have a lot of players that can play, uh... You know, their best player, Kawhi Leonard, is seriously something else and never makes it easy in the fourth quarter because even when they lose, he's playing at a ridiculous level. And then their second best player, Lou Williams, also scores a lot. Um, they also got some other good players, Patrick Beverly. Uh, you know, Paul George is good enough to crack the starting lineup, I suppose. Yeah, but a role player. Yeah, he's a, he's a solid role player, you know? Yeah, um, Greg... You told me that if the Nuggets win Game 7, you're ordering a Freedom Murray jersey. Are you sticking to that? 
Oh, I'll definitely order a Freedom Marie jersey. And look, I don't want to get overly excited about the Nuggets forcing a Game 7, but all they do is give themselves a chance. That's all they can do, and they've done that. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be really exciting. And win or lose, the fact that they've played like this with their backs against the wall has been really exciting, and it's just made me happy in such a bad time in the world. Yeah, I really respect their resilience, and they've been a super fun team to watch this playoffs. Well, we're going to move into every slap tells a story. Is that right? Uh, I think I'm going to let you go first on this one because I don't know what you have brought to the table today, but it might have to do with basketball. Yeah, so my slap is The Joker by Steve Miller Band, which I think is probably definitely in the top three for the most songs that I've heard in my lifetime. And obviously the Joker is a reference to Nugget star Nikola Jokic. But I have to say, when I was coming up with a slap for this segment, another song crossed my mind. And it's a song by a band some of you might know, The Wiggles. Oh, Play your guitar with Murray, as in Jamal Murray, Freedom Murray. The Joker, Nikola Jokic, play your guitar with Murray. I'm not sure if Jamal Murray has any musical talent, but I do like the way he has played his cards with his back against the wall, down 3-1 in two consecutive series. Yeah, absolutely. And way to just warm my heart with the wiggles, because that brings me right back to the early 2000s. And I was so excited when we went to that Wiggles concert in the Bay Area. It was a big highlight of my childhood. And I will say that Play Your Guitar With Murray slaps, you know, to fit the definition. It definitely slaps harder than The Joker. I would absolutely agree. Yeah, we might be... uh, It's funny you say that because I actually have a little something to say about the Steve Miller band myself. So transitioning from the basketball to the football side of things... Watching the first half of the morning games yesterday, I was thinking that I want to fly like an eagle because the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl 52 champs, were looking pretty nice against the newly called Washington football team. But then I realized that the Steve Miller band, and yes, I'm going to say it, was overrated. And this is what happened. It's halftime. The Eagles are looking good. Ron Rivera, who I actually uh, got to meet last March of 2019. Yeah, uh, super wonderful guy. Wife could not have been nicer. Guy I have a lot of respect for as a person and a football coach. He's battling cancer right now. And so we're all thinking of him. He was taking an IV at halftime. So second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins gave the halftime speech and Lo and behold, the Washington football team came back to win the game 27-17. to 17, Is that correct? Yeah. And I was just like, look, I'm not saying that the Washington football team is going to be good this year or that Haskins is now a legitimate quarterback, but I also think that he's gotten a lot of hate for not performing that well under a team that had no identity last year, an interim coach that only wanted to run the ball, and really a team that felt like they weren't even trying – So I just want to give him a chance. I think it was a big step in the right direction for this young man as a leader and a football player. And since our parents love the band The Pretenders and Chrissy Hines so much, 
I am just going to say that, you know, they might be back on the chain gang, but after yesterday, I'm back on the Dwayne gang. Wow, Greg, that was beautiful. What, what a really just a poetic, uh, you know, statement about the Redskins Eagles game. And, you know, now that we're talking, uh, the football team Eagles game, that's going to take some getting too used to, but maybe I shouldn't get too used to it. Um, but anyways, we should move on to football. What do you say? Yeah, I think that was the perfect segue into our week one overview. And let's start with the game that we were just talking about. So Eagles versus the Washington football team was actually the reverse of last year. Do you remember when they were playing in week one of 2019 and Case Keenum was the quarterback for the then Redskins? Yeah, and the Redskins back then, they went up 17-0 early, right? And then the Eagles came back and won the game 32-27. That is correct. And so this time it was Philly who jumps out to the 7-0 lead and then Washington comes all the way back and stuns them 27-17. Also, I just want to say that the Washington football team uniforms looks kind of nice. Like, I don't know, kind of slick helmets. I don't know what you think about that. I mean, yeah, the helmets are old school. That's never a bad thing. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's week one and you never want to read too much into it, but nice win for the Washington football team. And Greg, I actually have a question for you, a quick hypothetical. So if you're the GM of a football team and you have one of the following players to build your franchise around, would it be Boston Scott or Philly Brown? <laughs> what a ridiculous question. I mean, just answer it. I'm actually going to say Dallas Goddard. How about that? <laughs> well played. Thank you. Uh, final score, Washington football team. Uh, by the way, undefeated in franchise history. 27-17. Let's jump back a few days to the Thursday night game. Chiefs versus Texans, honestly, not a ton to say about this one. Chiefs still reign supreme. The new contract is treating star QB Patrick Mahomes nicely. Nice to see rookie cornerback Legereus Sneed, uh, you know, get an interception, but also play really solid lockdown defense. That was cool in his debut. Yeah, and another thing that I liked about this game was that the rookie punter, Tommy Townsend, had some nice black long hair. Kind of reminded me of Trevor Lawrence. I know, but I think he he one-ups Trevor Lawrence because it was even longer than that. Yeah, Um, you know, obviously the one thing about this game that neither of us liked was the Kansas City Chiefs allowed a limited amount of fans into the stadium um, despite coronavirus and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes agreed to do a moment of unity before the game where members of the team locked hands and met in the middle and did a moment of silence and some of the Chiefs fans booed. Yeah, uh, we could go on and on and on about that and how it was uncool and how these players need to be listened to. Uh, If you guys have listened to some of the past episodes, We have talked about the importance of social justice, standing with the players. Uh, Zach Haywood and I went into the NBA boycott. I spoke with UCSB incoming senior Ja'Cory McLaughlin about uh, his sense of responsibility as a student athlete on the Santa Barbara campus to promote social justice and unity and messages of positivity that don't ignore the larger issues. And um, it was really disappointing to see I think fans need to get it in their head that these players are done running and jumping and catching 
and dunking for your entertainment, but you can't respect them as human beings off the field or the court. Yeah, I mean, totally uncool. Literally, the purpose of this moment, it was a moment of racial unity. That's it. And the fans still booed. And it was super disheartening to watch that on TV. And on a far less serious, but still slightly annoying note, late in the game, uh, the TV pans to a Chiefs fan in the sign that says, Houston, you have a problem. And by this point, I'm already... Oh, that's so clever! Exactly. I've never heard it before. Super original. Whoa! But I was already fed up with the Chiefs fans at this point. And then they just... They show this fan with this really unoriginal and overused saying on a sign. And I don't know. I just kind of snapped. Yeah. It was... That was pretty disappointing. But obviously the booing was a lot more frustrating than the sign. The sign was just kind of a jokingly bad cherry on top. Exactly. But you know what? I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Chiefs are still good. Texans might be good. Who knows? I don't know if the division sucks anyway. Uh, final score, 34-20. Uh, do you want to just do it? you want to just get the AFC East out of the way? Yeah, let's get, let's get rid of the boring game. Patriots-Dolphins. So this is Cam Newton's first game on a new team um, playing with Bill Belichick. And a lot of people are obviously excited to see how this combination is going to work out considering the vast contrast in personality styles between Cam and Bill Belichick. And the Patriots did, you know, they played pretty strong, ended up winning 21-11. to But on the other hand... Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was definitely not Fitzmagic this week. He was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I actually do want to credit you with this statement because it was so funny, and I don't think I should take the credit for it. You said, oh, it looks like he's already in week seven form, which was hilarious because usually he at least indulges us for a few weeks and makes us think that he's Fitzmagic. And then... You know, when games start mattering a little bit more and the season progresses, he turns into Ryan Fitzpatrick again. So, yeah, that was probably the big headline from this game. Uh, I guess if you're the Patriots, you don't want to take beating the Dolphins for granted after how last year ended. Yeah, but I also don't I don't want to hear anything about how the Patriots are, you know, still going to be as good this year. I think it's still too early to say if you just played the Dolphins. Yeah, especially with no preseason. Exactly. Uh, one other funny note is just that Cam Newton is back with his celebrations and smiling. And even though, in I guess it's a little bit annoying on some level, but not yesterday because we just knew how much Bill Belichick was probably boiling inside. Yeah. Um. You know what? Let's move on. I'm okay. done with this. Final guy. score, 21-11. Go to the other side of the AFC East. The Jets and the Bills. Hey, I know we always do shout out to at the end, but I'm just so eager for this one. So can you let me say it? Yeah. Shout out to the Jets for showing up opening week. Boy, do they look scary. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, a lot of people are talking, you know, about how the Jets might not be good this year, but boy, did they prove the haters wrong. Yeah, I was just, I was overwhelmed with the firepower that they were demonstrating in the first half. And if you couldn't already sense the obnoxious sarcasm in this last uh, 30 seconds or so. Look, once again, not a lot to say. Josh Allen looked nice. 
Uh, Bills could be really good, especially if they stay healthy. I hope that they could finally take the division. It'd be great if the Patriots don't win it for the 27th year in a row. If the Raptors can win a playoff opener, the Patriots can lose the division at some point. Yeah, that gives me hope. And, you know, kind of a funny side note is that I literally did not know that Jamison Crowder was still in the NFL until he scored that third quarter touchdown. And I'm, I'm pretty in tune with the NFL. Yeah, did you think it was Jay Crowder from the Heat just running all the way into the end zone? I didn't suspect that, actually. I feel like people get those two mixed up all the time. Yeah, like Drew Bledsoe and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, of course. You know, Terry Rozier, we're thinking of you. Um, I guess we wish Devin Singletary got more carries for our fantasy purposes, but we don't really need to talk about that. Boring game, final score, 27-17. Let's get to the one that we like the most. Our Green Bay Packers opened with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, It was a very interesting game. In a lot of ways, I felt like it was nothing like how the Packers performed last year. You know, the defense was definitely a little shaky at times, but the offense, apart from, you know, a few opening drives where they got held at the goal line, actually looked like pretty consistent. And there were a lot of big plays. It wasn't just gradually moving the the ball down the field. Um, Aaron Rodgers... Apart from his great stat line of 32 for 44, 364 yards and four touchdowns, he he looked really good. So I don't want to hear anything about how he's on the decline after this game. Yeah, Aaron was, to quote the announcers, performing a surgery against the Minnesota defense, which has a lot of promise, but their corners are young. And I think that game just made us realize how freaking good Devontae Adams was when he doesn't have a completely messed up toe at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it would be great if the Packers could have another receiver to help him out. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had his flashes of greatness during the game, but he also had a couple brutal drops. Yeah, brutal drops. One was on a third down that would have extended a drive around midfield, and the other was a nice deep ball by Aaron that he just couldn't hang on to, so... If he can just kind of get it together and tighten it up and really be that strong, reliable number two, I like what I see from the Packers offense. That was refreshingly smooth, what we saw yesterday. By the way, 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns for Devontae Adams. So on the defensive side, uh, Jair Alexander, who our friend Gabriel Lee loves so much, had a beautiful first half. His safety on Kirk Cousins got the ball rolling for the Packers offense after they failed a fourth down conversion outside the end zone. And, you know, the defense did leave some question marks. They gave up 34 points. The outcome was never really in question because it was always within two possessions for the second half. But I don't know. It's, you know, you got to be a little bit concerned after how that NFC championship went and they couldn't stop the run for the life of them. Yeah, definitely. And Jair Alexander, as you mentioned, I felt that he had a great first game. And he was also probably Kirk Cousins' second favorite target of the game, obviously, behind Adam Thielen. (laughs) Yeah, Kirk Cousins, I think for the first 26, 27 minutes of that game, was 2 for 2, 32 yards, and both catches to Adam Thielen. So 
Yeah, and I mean, we know Kirk Cousins isn't very stressed about catching COVID, and he seemed similarly not too anxious about spreading the ball around to his offense. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so we couldn't reference the Packers without referencing a joke from our family. And our older sister, Natalie, came down and was watching with us on the couch. And she's all concerned about COVID and if the NFL is going to last, uh, which obviously we've both expressed to each other a number of times. But she goes, like, what's stopping Aaron Rodgers from going to the club in Tampa and making out with some chick and contracting it? And my smart ass answered dating Shailene Woodley. <laughs> but I think she has a fair point there. Nonetheless, let's just enjoy football while it's here. I think overall we have to be happy with the win. Final score, 43-34. All right, why don't we move on to the other NFC North game this week, which was also a good one, Bears versus Lions. So the Bears were down 23-6 to going into the fourth quarter, and they rallied all the way back to take a 27-23 lead with under two minutes to go, and the Lions have one final drive, one chance to take the lead again. Matt Stafford throws the ball to a wide-open DeAndre Swift in the end zone in his first-ever NFL game, and he drops it. Yeah, that was tough to watch. I felt really bad for DeAndre Swift. He had a really nice debut up until that point, but I don't know. You can't help but just shake your head when something like that happens. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the guy, uh, and I also feel bad for the Lions. That was a, a pretty brutal loss, and they definitely had a few of those last year as well. But, you know, as far as the other team, you know, the Bears, respect to them for rallying and coming back in the fourth quarter. And for any of you Aftermath fans out there, you might get this reference, but Mitch did not kill my vibe yesterday. That's correct. Mitch did not kill my vibe, even as a Packers fan, because my heart just broke for the Lions and, you know, I just took the game for what it was. A little deja vu for the Lions, though, because in the fourth quarter of last year's week one, they were playing against the Arizona Cardinals. And you remember that they had a 24 to 6 lead that was blown and ended up in a tie. Yeah, super weird first game. So... Not a ton to say other than that, but tough start to the career of DeAndre Swift. We hope that he can bounce back, and maybe that was the luck that the Chicago Bears need. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Final score, 27-23. Oh, boy, back to the AFC, Colts-Jags. Hey, uh, you want to just do this one? I might go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Uh Philip Rivers had, you know, he started off pretty good, ended up having kind of a rough day. Um, you know, it was a close game, but Colts have a fourth down driving late. It's a Jaguars have a seven point lead and they're trying to tie it, but it gets to fourth down. Philip Rivers throws an out to T.Y. Hilton and T.Y. Hilton drops it and the game is over. Also, big bummer about Marlon Mack's injury. I didn't read anything up on that today, but they were saying it could possibly be as bad as a torn Achilles. Yeah, I think that's confirmed. He's out for the season, uh, which is brutal. As if the year wasn't already tough enough for so many people around the league. Uh, the Jaguars, the other team to allow fans into the stadium this week. To my knowledge, they were far better than the Chiefs fans. And maybe the home field advantage did just enough to help them get over the top. Don't write off 
Minshew mania just yet, everybody, because the team that was projected to get the number one pick in next year's draft, well, they're not heading that direction to start the season. Yeah, Jaguars are 1-0. Final score, 27-20. Woo! Okay, Raiders-Panthers first game for new head coach Matt Rule going up against John Gruden's newly Las Vegas Raiders, which still sounds weird and truthfully unflattering. But Yeah, as Oakland natives, we're not huge fans, but eh, it was a pretty good game overall. Uh, high scoring, lots of excitement. Um, Josh Jacobs had a really good performance. Uh, he was fantastic. And even weirder, there were some uh, new faces on the Raiders. Nelson Aguilar caught a touchdown for them. That was the biggest highlight of my entire day besides the Packers winning the game. Because Nelson Aguilar got a touchdown for the Las Vegas Raiders. I believe there's also another new face on that team who got one reception for two yards, I think. Jason Witten. Yeah, he's back on the field after a a brief stint in the broadcasting booth. But I saw that he kept um, some streak alive where he had at least one reception in like 30-something consecutive games. So props to Jason Witten. Um, other than that, final score, 34-30. Raiders feels weird uh, seeing him in a Raiders uniform, by the way. Yeah, super weird. But yeah. Uh, okay, Seahawks versus Falcons. This one was pretty interesting. I know we hate the Seahawks for a variety of reasons, but they looked pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, Chris Carson had a pair of receiving touchdowns early in the game. Um, he looked really good. Um, Russell Wilson, as much as I... Don't like him. You got to respect his game. He looked like he picked up right where he left off last season. You know why? Why? Because he's unlimited. <laughs> Shouldn't have even asked. <laughs> Anyways, what do you think about the Falcons? What do I think of the Falcons? Uh, I mean, the issues on this team are not new. They have so much offensive firepower. Matt Ryan, I believe, is still a very, very solid quarterback in this league. Let's not forget that he won an MVP with Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. I mean, he threw for 450 yards today, also had like 54 attempts. But yeah, they got to play better on defense and they have to stay healthy on defense as well. Offensively, they got the whole package. They have who I believe still the best receiver in the league. I mean, possibly Michael Thomas at this point because he just does not drop anything. But Julio is right up there, and Calvin Ridley's come along really nicely in the league. We'll see if Todd Gurley can be solid in the backfield and consistent, but I don't know. I mean, obviously their division is tough, but it's a little discouraging to see them collapse on defense. I know the Seahawks are good, but they're not exactly known for putting up 38 points a game, are they? No, I mean, you said it best. The Falcons have a lot of talent on offense, and it's been that way uh, for the past, you know, really five or so years. So, I know it's always a little disappointing, or it has been disappointing to see them underperform these last few years. But, um, yeah, like you said, the defense has to play better and give the offense some breathing room. I am rooting for Dan Quinn because I did briefly meet him for a little bit too, and he was ridiculously friendly. And I enjoyed talking to him a lot. So, you know, go Dan Quinn. <laughs> I know it's tough, but final score, 38-25. Ooh, what's the next game we got? 
the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns with new coach Kevin Stefanski. And the Ravens picked up right where they left off last season, obviously excluding the playoff defeat. And the Browns also picked up right where they left <laughs> off last season, excluding nothing. Yeah, excluding nothing, exactly. Uh, Mark Andrews got the ball rolling for the Ravens with a great one-handed touchdown catch. And I love Mark Andrews because he is a type 1 diabetic like me. And I love my diabetics, so that was fun to see. By the way, who are the two players in the league that run with the ball in one hand? Well, obviously Lamar Jackson, but who's the other one? LaShawn McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a great observation. Um, Aside from that, don't have much else to say about this one. Final score, 38-6 Ravens, kind of a blowout. Um, Let's move on to the afternoon games. Ooh, yeah, let's start with... Bucks Saints because that was the one with all the hype. Tom Brady, Tampa, is in a new uniform for the first time after what twenty years. It's like it's crazy. Super weird. Even weirder is that his first touchdown as a Buccaneer was a QB sneak, and he's what forty three. Yeah, that was so weird. But I mean, good for him. He looks pumped after that. Uh, Alvin Kamara also looks pretty comfortable with that fat contract extension. He just got... I mean, yeah, he was playing with an injury uh, most of last year, as we found out this offseason. So it looks like he's having... He's poised for a bounce-back year. Um, And then, you know, I don't want to react too strongly to this game. It looked like both teams are really talented and have a lot of potential. But, you know, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Yeah, and like we said, there is no preseason and... Tom Brady's in a new environment, but a lot of firepower uh, Saints still look fantastic and seem to pick up right where they left off, excluding the tough playoff game. So final score, 34-23 in favor of the Saints. Let's move to the number one overall pick and his new team, Bengals versus Chargers. So before we get into the actual intricacies of the game itself, I just want to point out that Joe Burrow's new facial hair and his weird mustache is kind of weird on his baby face. I don't know if I love the look. Especially because you can only kind of see the mustache because it's blonde. It was, I don't know. I'm not for it. I'm not for it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, other than that, I thought his performance was actually pretty good given that he's starting... um, in week one as a rookie quarterback, obviously excluding his horrible interception. Yeah, that was a bad mistake. And look, those are going to happen. But I agree. I liked what I saw from Joe Burrow. And he seemed poised. He seemed like he gets it. And he seems like he's going to be a good leader for this Bengals team. Obviously, they have a lot of work to do. And they have one of the best teams in the league in their division. But it's a process. Yeah, and I really liked seeing Joe Burrow's poise, as you said, as he drived the Bengals down at the end of the game to get them into field goal range in position to tie the game. But then, obviously, Randy Bullock shanks a field goal. Well, before before we get to that, yeah, what about A.J. Green's pass interference? A.J. Green got what was seemingly a game-winning touchdown. Uh, He missed the entire last season, and he's trying to come back and make a name for himself once again. But he got called for offensive pass interference on, I think, Hayward it was, with like under 10 seconds to go or something. And 
yeah, I don't know. What were your thoughts on the call? To be honest, I didn't love the call in that situation. I thought there was a little bit of contact, but, you know, as there is on most passing plays, and I didn't really see a full extension from A.J. Green, and I think it's a little bit of a weak call in that situation. What about you? I don't know because you can't let players just fully push a defender and extend like he did. I am okay with the call, but it was definitely in that gray area where it could have gone either way. I didn't hate it, but I wouldn't say I loved it either. I think you feel for refs in that kind of situation because they do get put in a really tough situation. It's not like the Nikel Roby Coleman blast to the head pass interference. I mean, those are very 50-50 in my opinion, and it was tough. But I have a question for you. Did the Bengals just out Chargers the Chargers? I think they might have, but honestly, it was good to see Anthony Lynn get some luck back on oh, the seriously? end of the game kicks. I, I got to feel happy for him. Um, he deserves it. But yeah, I have a question for you, actually. Do you buy Randy Bullock grabbing his calf at the end of the game? Or is that just an excuse? I'm going to give Randy Bullock the benefit of the doubt. But let's just say I'll be keeping an eye on the injury report for week two. Fair enough. Yeah, and like you said with Anthony Lynn, he really deserves some field goal luck because the first two games of his coaching career with the Chargers, he lost because Youngway Koo missed a potential game-tying and potential game-winning kick in weeks one and two, respectively. So Anthony Lynn started his career 0-4, but really probably should have been 2-2, two and two, or at least 1-3. and three. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Anthony Lynn's first year, he kind of had a rough start to the season. Um, and then, obviously, they had the bounce-back year in his second campaign with the Chargers. Last year, they were down again, and now they're starting 1-0. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chargers do this year. Um, final score, 16-13 to 13 Chargers. Why don't we move on to... The game in the Smoky Bay area with two <sighs> NFC West teams, the Arizona Cardinals taking on the defending NFC champs, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, probably the toughest division in football, at least on paper. And funny observation is that Jordan Reed is still in the league for the 49ers, despite his seven concussions. I mean, who knew? But, you know, also um, related to injuries is that Jarek McKinnon was back on the field, and it was good to see him in the end zone after being out for 987 days or yeah. something like that. I don't even know. Yeah, it was really refreshing, and I felt happy for Jarek McKinnon because he got paid like he was going to be the guy, tore his ACL, sat out the whole season, then was still dealing with injuries last season and couldn't even play then. So to see him in the end zone, even without fans, you had to feel really happy for the guy. Uh, long, long wait to get there. But the story of the game really was that Larry Fitzgerald, one of my favorite players ever, saved the end of the Cardinals' first half by catching a pass and immediately getting up and rushing the ball to the line of scrimmage so that they could spike it with time left on the clock to kick a field goal. By the way, that was the longest field goal of Zane Gonzalez's young career. <laughs> 
Well, I think it was actually even better. I think Christian Kirk caught a pass to advance the ball, and he was lying on the ground, and Larry rushed over, took the ball from Christian Kirk, handed it to the center, and they got the spike off with two seconds left. And obviously, that ended up being a major factor at the end of the game with the Cardinals having a four-point lead with the Niners were driving. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I have to say, he did not look too sharp on that last drive. Give me flashbacks to him overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Jimmy did not look great. And by the way, you were right. That was a Christian Kirk catch where Larry came into the play. A lot of football getting mixed up in my head from yesterday. But yeah, those three points did matter because the Niners were in field goal range at the end. And all that glitters is gold. Robbie Gold. Sorry, Robbie Silver. But Robbie Gold (laughs) would have made the kick probably and won the game for them 23-21. So Larry saved the day. Uh Jimmy did not look sharp on that last drive, though. He looked late to throw on those out routes. Uh, I don't know. It was tough to see. I don't think he's a – I think he's a really good quarterback, but he definitely has to take it to the next level. And we've seen him be clutch before, so it's not that he can't do it. You know who did look sharp, though? Who? Cliff Kingsbury. Like, my – like, holy fuck, he's so beautiful. I mean, like, I wasn't even pissed that he wasn't wearing a mask. Because with the headset and the sunglasses and I'm just strutting up and down the sideline in sunny, smoky Santa Clara, I was just like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this guy. Yeah, dude, Jimmy Garoppolo got upstaged in two different ways this Saturday on the football field and in terms of his looks. I know Cliff Kingsbury might be the only person in the football world that can upstage Jimmy Garoppolo in his looks, but I think on Sunday he probably did. So... I don't know. Jimmy, you got some competition, buddy. Final score, 24-20 in favor of the Cardinals. Let's go to the night game. Rams versus Cowboys. I don't want to cut you off, but I think we need to address the elephant in the room. What's that? It was Greg Zerline's revenge game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not wrong about that. Greg Zerline, I did not know was the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys until the second quarter last night. I was like, who is Sam Sloman? I was like, what happened to Greg Zerline? Because looking at fantasy matchups, I was like, oh yeah, Greg Zerline's playing the night game, you know, the Rams. So it is the Greg Zerline revenge game. Also the first game in the new SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. So I got to say, it looks pretty nice. Yeah, um, the jerseys, I also haven't decided on yet. I go back between liking them and thinking they're disgusting. But the stadium was definitely cool. And the Rams' new offense, or I should say revised offense, this season looked pretty good. Uh, Jared Goff was getting the ball off quickly. Um, They had a pair of fourth down conversions in the first half. And, you know, Jared Goff, after leading the Rams to the Super Bowl in his second season, obviously... He had a or third season. Third season. Third season. He had, you know, not the greatest season last year, but it looked like... By his standards. By his standards, yeah. And he looked pretty good last night. Um, And one thing I would like to point out is that Mike McCarthy, longtime Packers coach, I'll always have a soft spot for him in my heart. And I also respect the fact that He was the only NFL coach that I saw yesterday that was actually wearing a mask correctly for the whole game. 
yeah, respect to our longtime Packer coach, Mike McCarthy. Good to see him in a new environment, and we're wishing him the best, even though the Dallas Cowboys are an annoying team. But, yeah, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you get the pass on that, by the way. It's totally cool that you weren't wearing a mask because I would just look at it all day, Uh, (laughs) which is totally not weird, by the way. And I just want to point out that I think it's funny that the head coaches will be wear, or the head coaches and the coordinators are wearing these masks, but they still cover their mouths with the play sheets when they're talking, <laughs> even though their mask should theoretically be covering their mouth. Also, yeah, I guess it's just a habit they've developed at this point and can never break. <laughs> I guess so. So Rams also made a lot of changes on the defensive end, lost a lot of players over the offseason, and they have a new defensive coordinator in Brandon Staley. And the defense came up big at the end, although there was a little bit of controversy with another offensive pass interference call on Michael Gallup. The reason I wasn't so against the A.J. Green one is because I could see how that was offensive pass interference. This one, however, I thought was really soft. And I was hoping the Rams won the game for the sake of Sean McVay and Jared Goff, but you don't like to see games get decided like that. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is a good player, but he's such a little drama queen. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I wasn't a fan of the AJ green call at the end of the game. And I was definitely not a fan of the call on Michael Gallup at the end of this one. It was the smallest arm extension on Jalen Ramsey. Wasn't even a full extension. Yeah. I was watching the replay like, Oh, is that where he extended his arm? Yeah, I, I thought I I don't love the Cowboys as a team, but I couldn't help feeling really bad that the game ended that way for them. Yeah, also Greg Zerline didn't even get a chance to kick that field goal to force overtime, so it kind of ruined our storybook ending. I know, poor Greg. Uh, well, you know what? Good win for the Rams to start the season, and you know sometimes you just have to gut it out. Uh, the defense showed up when it mattered, despite the controversial call and. They're off to a 1-0 start. Final score, 20-17. to So that is all of the games. For... Did you hear something? Oh, it's time for our big boy stat lines. So we got some, we had mentioned a few stat lines, but none of them were big boy stat line worthy, I don't think. Right? I I don't think any of these stats were big boy worthy. I want to start off with my big boy stat line for week one. It goes to Jordan Howard with, wait for it, eight rush, seven yards, (gasps) and a touchdown. Yeah, Jordan Howard! Jordan Howard, congrats. You are the recipient of my big boy stat line for week one. He's in the Dolphins, right? Yes. Jeez. Okay. You, didn't, you couldn't tell from his monster performance yesterday? No, I could have guessed the Jets as well. So it was <laughs> one of those two. Fair enough. Greg, do you have one? I actually do have a big boy stat line. Um, this one goes to Austin Seibert. And for those of you who don't know, that is the kicker of the Cleveland Browns. The team lost 38-6, to but Austin Seibert had the impressive 0-for-1 on field goals and 0-for-1 on extra points. Wow, well, you know, the Browns' offenses didn't show up yesterday, but it's good to see that their special teams was nice and sharp. Oh, as always. (laughs) (laughs) 
if the Packers ever lose to the Browns because of some special teams play, that would be like uh, that would be a different level of dagger. Yeah, maybe it would be karma after this segment. Oh yeah, because I'm such a bad person. <laughs> At least I didn't boo the moment of unity. Uh, well, moving right past that bitterness, we got some way too early conclusions because that always happens after week one. And for the record, this isn't a list of things that we actually believe to be true. It's more the kind of things you'd see from, you know, expert 16 year old sports fans on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so for example, um, the Philadelphia Eagles are done. They're, Oh, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're done. They're never going to win a game again. And, you know, honestly, Philip Rivers should just retire before week two. Yeah, he should call it quits. He can't play anymore, and he's never going to throw another touchdown. I got a good one for you, Yeah, and I'm right about this one. Okay. Tom Brady is washed up because he lost to a possible Super Bowl team, and the Patriots won, so you know what that means, right? What? Bill Belichick is greater than Tom Brady, and he was the reason for the dynasty. Yeah, well, I'm going to one-up you. I think that the 49ers are not the same. Their Super Bowl was a fluke. Well, they're not. They're not the same. They're not. And Jimmy G is washed up, and he sucks. Yeah, and because he's young, that means he's already reached his peak potential. Yeah, they're they're definitely getting last in the NFC West. Well, they are last in the NFC West already, so they're guaranteed to not win the division now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well... Enough of our sarcasm. Uh, Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Because (laughs) we talked about basketball and who has been a big figure in this NBA playoffs for us? TNT sideline commentator, Charles Barkley. Studio commentator. Studio commentator. Yes. Former MVP, Charles Barkley. And that's because he just makes predictions that sound way too outrageous and just jumps to conclusions so quickly. After the Blazers went up 1-0 on the Lakers, he started bringing up the broom, and then the Blazers lost in five. So we have some Charles Barkley predictions for you, which are things that he would probably say if he covered the NFL. Yeah, Greg, why don't you go first? Oh, you sure? Yeah. Oh, Hold on. Oh, Chuck, Chuck, I think... He's right here. Oh, hold on. Come here. <clears throat> After seeing Baltimore beat Cleveland, look, Lamar Jackson is the greatest player that I have ever seen. I'm, I'm being serious. The Ravens are not going to lose a game, period. They're going undefeated and going to be Super Bowl champs. Guaranteed. <laughs> wow. Well, I was I had a Charles Barkley prediction, but... You know, maybe, Chuck, you should just take it from here. Uh, Hold on, let me check the paper. I look at Arizona. This team has more talent than they have had in the last 30 years. Kyler Murray can play, and they're going to win the division. Wow. Well, (laughs) thanks for joining us today on the podcast, Charles. Um, but I think we're going to have to move on now. We have another fun little segment here. Um, I just want to let everyone know that, yes, I understand that that was a god-awful impression, so please don't take me seriously. <laughs> Greg, I have a question for you. Ask me. Okay. Who do you believe will be the first NFL head coach to be fired this season? Ooh, that's a good question, especially because it's such a weird 
season and we don't even know if it's going to last. But I would have to say Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia. And here's why. Some people were surprised he wasn't fired at the end of last season. Um, But, you know, Matthew Stafford got hurt and that did not help the situation for the second half of the season. But they lost nine straight. And look, when something like that happens at the end of the game, like it did with DeAndre Swift yesterday, it just feels like the cherry on top of things gone wrong and like the exact kind of thing you can't have happen when you're already under pressure. So it just feels like the Lions are on a downhill skid. I hope they can bounce back. I don't ever wish for anyone to lose their job except maybe our chief executive (laughs) and the majority leader of the U.S. Senate and maybe some others. Uh, But also Matt Patricia... I hate to say it, he lacks people skills, man. He's always like going off on reporters. Yesterday, he got all defensive and was gloating about how he had one of the greatest defensive calls in history. And it's like, dude, Malcolm Butler stepped in front of a guy and made a hell of a play. Like, calm down. And he was, you know, there's the famous press conference where he tells the reporter he has bad posture and all that. But yeah, man, I don't see Matt Patricia lasting much longer. And, you know, Maybe he'll make it to the end of the season. I don't know. Yeah, I I like that prediction. I think that's uh, very plausible. But I have my own prediction. You know, it's funny. If if we had done this segment a week earlier, I would have had a very clear answer. And that would have been your buddy, Doug Marone of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Okay, I'll try not to take it personally. <laughs> by the way, that's not sarcastic. Doug Marone was, and his wife, by the way, so wonderful. <laughs> I love them and totally support them. Not sarcastic. <laughs> so, Greg, is there an NFL head coach who you aren't good friends with? <sighs> well, yeah. At the time, I met 24 of the 32. <laughs> okay. So there's a list of eight of them. I have a weird feeling Bill Belichick and I probably wouldn't be super tight, but I don't know. That's just a hunch. That's a weird. He's super charismatic, but I don't know. We'll move on. Anyways. Dude, he walked by me, and I felt like it was like a freaking Slytherin guy from Harry Potter. Just a dementor. Me, yeah, it was like giving me the chills. I was like, whoa, this is creepy, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyways, so I'm <laughs> not going to say Doug Marone because the Jaguars pleasantly surprised me this week with their victory over the Colts. So instead, I'm going to go with the coach who has struggled the past few years and who had a disappointing week one performance, and that is the Atlanta Falcons' Dan Quinn. If their defense doesn't step it up, I don't see him lasting through the end of the year. I think, you know, a lot there was a lot of chatter about him maybe getting fired last year, and A lot of people were surprised that he did end up making it through. So I think he's on very thin ice. And if the Falcons don't have a bounce back year, I think he's out of there. Damn. You think they're going to get Freddie Kitchens to replace? Uh, He's too good for them. He wouldn't accept the job. Damn. Well, I'm rooting for Dan Quinn, uh, as I am Doug Marone. Matt Patricia, well, look, all I can say is that he'd really mess up the ratio of Matt's coaching the NFC North. Yeah, it might drop to a mere 50%. I know, that's a big drop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't want to talk a bunch about fantasy football, but this coming Sunday is actually a huge day for both of us. And why is that? Well, Greg, it's the first time 
that the Silver Brothers will be facing off in a fantasy football matchup ever. Yep, we've never been in a league together because we always felt that we would just undermine each other's teams. And it turns out we're always so bad anyway that we might figure, hey, let's give it a shot. And Greg, I have to say, you should be pretty worried about this next week because my team had a very strong performance in week one. Let me, let me <laughs> name some players. So first overall, Nick Chubb had a whopping 5.1 points. So you're going up against that as my RB1. Oh, man. And Michael Thomas had three receptions for 17 yards and... It turns out that he has a high ankle sprain, so he'll be playing with an injury. Um, I have Rob Gronkowski, who proved that he just came right out of retirement, <laughs> like he never left. Um, let's see. Jake Elliott missed a kick yesterday. Vikings defense got me zero points. Um, Devin Singletary and Jarvis Landry both on my team. They both underperformed. And I have Mark Ingram, who looks like he's going to be the third back on the who? Ravens. Mark Ingram, the second. Oh, yeah, yeah. The running back for the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. So in conclusion, Greg, I think you should forfeit already. There's no way you're going to win this next team with my star-studded lineup. Well, if you believe in the law of averages, I probably should be scared because Nick Chubb's probably going to go off and Michael Thomas will get at least 12 catches. We're in a half-point PPR league, which we can live with, but we both agree that full-point PPR is trash. Uh, I actually have some bad news for you. So, I have Kirk Cousins' only target on my team, Adam Thielen. Oh, you do. And that proved Shoot. to be quite profitable yesterday. Do you think I can pick up Jair Alexander? Yeah, I'll probably get you more points than Jake Elliott. Dude, not cool. But hey, you know what? I would like to say that I have the first waiver priority, so I can pick up anyone who I want to. Oh, wow, that's bad news. What's What do you think the over-under for our matchup is? Combined points, like 150? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll take the under. All right, I'll take the over, but I wouldn't go higher than 155. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, maybe I'll consult you for my lineups and just do the opposite because you always leave your best players on the bench anyway. You know, we actually have used that strategy before and it's been pretty successful. Yeah, it's definitely worked. It's the George Costanza opposite effect. And you know what? You want to declare some kind of a bet for this game? You know what? Let's do it. Yeah, so that all six people listening to this can... They can hold us accountable. Yeah, they can hold us accountable. So, okay, how about this? How about this? Loser has to write a poem about inferiority and then post a video of them reading it on their Instagram story. You know what? Let's make it a haiku poem. Okay, a haiku? Yeah. Okay, is that a deal? All right, that's a deal. Okay, and then you got to post a video of you reading it on your Instagram story, and it has to be somewhat relevant to the matchup. All right, let's pinky promise. Pinky promise. <laughs> nice sound effect. But yeah, it happened. Uh, well, you know what time of the episode that is. What time is it? Shout out to, I will shout out HBO's Succession, which is a tremendous TV show. I just finished season two and it completely blew my mind. It is so well written and produced 
and it's been one of the rare bright spots of the last few months. Both season finales actually had my roommate and I screaming at the TV to the point where we had to apologize to our other roommate who was in the middle of virtual office hours. Uh, he had to apologize on our behalf to his professor. I'm sure the, the professor will understand when he knows what's going on. Apparently the professor said, oh, I heard Succession's good. So, <laughs> Wait, Gray, you, you saw the Succession? You haven't really mentioned it. No, yeah, not at all. But I just want to let you know, I have seen Succession. Okay. Well, now I know. <laughs> all right, Mr. Smarty, what's your shout-out? <laughs> well, before I do my shout-out, I would just like to preface this by saying that I recently got a job as a DoorDash driver. It's a huge deal. It's super competitive, really hard to get. There is an extensive interview and training process. And that's what I've been doing for the past two to three weeks, just picking up food for the people, you know, working in food service. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. And I've gotten some feedback from my customers. Um, I looked at my rating the other day, and it is a Cool, 3.93 out of 5 stars. <laughs> wow! And, and yes, that is dangerously low because apparently people with under a 4.2 rating can get deactivated. So I may get fired soon, but I would like to shout out my DoorDash customers because harsh as they may be, honesty is the best policy. And I promise that I will use this as motivation to be the best driver that I can possibly be, and I will strive to be better. Yeah, so Alexandra, Peter W., and company, we're thinking of you. Wow. Dude, what a week. That was crazy. Greg, thanks for having me on. Can we officially say that I have been potty trained now? Oh, I think you're well on your way, my dear friend. And look, I just want to say that as much as I've roasted you in these past nearly 63 minutes that I am so glad we get to watch all those games together yesterday because it's been a while. Yeah, it was, it's been a while. That's right. And I'm glad we got a good old football Sunday together watching games all day. Yes, sir. Well, that'll do it for us today. Big thanks to my partner in crime here, Mr. Melatonin. We're going to celebrate by watching these Monday night games and we're excited to check out this new announcing crew. Thanks for tuning in, and may we wish you the best of luck in all your fantasy football endeavors. Good night! You can play your guitar with my-